What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the other side of the firewall podcast, where we talk about the latest and greatest in cybersecurity news, as well as behind those movers and shakers, those glass ceiling breakers, as people of color have made to the other side of the proverbial firewall. My name is Ryan Williams, and I almost messed up the entire intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined with Chris Abacon. He's been with us uh, for uh, two weeks now. So, how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Ryan. It's a wonderful day. That is- that is great to hear. So definitely tune in uh, if you have not to last week where we went over two topics of discussion and Chris's uh, cybersecurity oranges story on the Friday episode so of the weekly rundown. Uh, and then he'll be with us all week this week. Today is our discussion. So this will be our Wednesday episode. Uh, we are now over 420 episodes into the podcast, which seems like a lot, but it, I mean, it is a lot. <laughs> It's a lot of content, but we want to continue that uh, that trend. We want to continue to have uh, great guests on the show. So definitely hit us up to find out more about us, uh, as well as uh, if you align with our platform, we'd like, love to, to highlight you, showcase what you have going on in your initiatives and things of that nature. Uh, so all that good stuff. Today's uh, episode is uh, a discussion about this uh I'm trying to not uh and um too much, but it makes me uh and um more. <laughs> it was about CISA, right? So the uh, article comes from Federal News Network. It is entitled, The Next Step in CISA's Maturity is Its New Cyber Strategic Plan. This one's written by Jason Miller. And we kind of, uh, we fell in between news last week. So we talked about on our Wednesday discussion, the labor market and how there's 700,000 cybersecurity vacancies. And then uh, after we recorded that session, the uh, Biden-Harris uh, administration dropped their strategic plan on the uh, the world, and they had so much good stuff in there. Definitely check that out, their roadmap uh, into how they're going to build out cyber and bring it into everybody's home and bring it to the education system. And then uh, they also have a bunch of initiatives that go into getting more uh, minorities and women into cybersecurity. So all the stuff we talked about on Wednesday's episode uh, they already had within their roadmap that was released shortly thereafter. But then this one digs a little bit deeper. Um, it says CISA is going to have a fundamental, a fundamentally ad- adapt to, well, I'm sorry, CISA is going to have to fundamentally, fundamentally, there we go, adapt to a new model where we focus on shifting the burden of cybersecurity to those who can bear it, where we focus on driving prioritized investment and the security measures that reduce the most risk. And that was uh, comes from Eric Goldstein, uh, CISA's executive assistant director. So uh, they, they have a, a plan, they have a strategy that they're trying to roll out. What do you think about this, Chris? I think the strategy is a step in the right direction. Definitely uh, publishing a cyber strategy from CISA, it's, it's definitely, I feel like it's about time, honestly, but uh, them working kind of in conjunction with the White House, working uh, to kind of guide and provide guidance to not just governmental organizations, uh, you know, uh, three-letter civilian organizations, but to industry as well, uh, and, and it lays it out here pretty pretty easily, actually, and pretty pretty um, pretty nicely. So, goal one is going to be cyber defense. So, spearhead the national effort to re- endure and sorry ensure defense and resilience of cyberspace. Goal two is going to be risk reduction and resilience, reduce risks to strengthen resilience of America's infrastructure. Goal three is going to be operational collaboration, strengthen nation, whole of nation operational collaboration and information sharing. And goal four is going to be agency unification, 
unify as one CISA through integrated functions, capabilities, and workforce. So having them kind of reach out to industry, uh, bringing in some of the objectives that you know, have been implemented within the government and having trying to make it a little bit more palatable, right? So kind of like a cybersecurity for dummies for, uh, for private industry. And I, I, this is definitely a step in the right direction because it's trying to show us that, hey, cybersecurity is not, it's not, doesn't require, it's not rocket science, right? It's, it's a business process. Um, and the way the document here, if you go through the article, the, one of the first links on there is it links you to the PDF, provides a lot of good material. It's, it's, I mean, it's a lot, it's a long, uh, it's a long um, PDF, but it's, it's very readable. It's nicely, nicely uh, put together. So I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. And I'm looking forward to how CISA moves forward with their strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and I think we said it last week, but I, it, I mean, it, it it seems to be the most uh, understated aspect of all of the above. Like cybersecurity is national security. So yes. regardless of what industry you're in, we all feed into the, the larger um, uh, either supporting uh, citizens or providing citizen service or collecting on citizens to provide them better services and things of that nature. But regardless of what you do with the citizens uh, within the, the country, you are part of the national security strategy as well. Uh, so you have to defend your customers, um, the civilians, uh, regardless of where, what, what civilianship they belong to, right? So we talked about GDPR before, we talked about Epipeda before. So other countries are already started to push their their policies and their strategies, and it's already impacting the rest of the world. And then we're, it's going to bleed into AI and things that that nature, right? Cutting edge. Um, but then like we talked about on Monday, like it's the basic stuff. It's the, the securing people who are the most vulnerable. So like hospitals being attacked or water treatment facilities being breached. Or, you know, it, it goes on and on and on and on. Um, like, if we don't take this, start to take this seriously, like, I, I know it's expensive, I know it's time consuming, but if you don't have a fundamental uh, strategic base, like, if you don't have policy and procedures, uh, techniques, tactics, and procedures, if you will, depending on what, what type of services you provide, if you don't have those, uh, you will inevitably uh, suffer a, a egregious breach which will then put your company's reputation in, in jeopardy and then your clientele as well so not only will they not want to buy your services any longer but you've also put them at risk so you can see lawsuits in the future and things that like we we talked about john hopkins uh johns hopkins not too long ago where they're probably gonna be part of a, a class action because it took so long for them just to report their breach right it wasn't that they were breached which is still egregious it was that they took so long to warn people uh, so that way they can shore up their credit and they can be on the lookout for, uh, you know, malicious things that could potentially happen because their PI was leaked. So it's 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 going to become very costly very quickly. It's already costing billions of dollars per year. Uh, but now we're starting to see it, like cyber insurance is, is skyrocketing. We're starting to see uh, each breach is becoming more expensive. Um, uh, you're starting to see that uh, you can no longer pay ransomers, which is great. Um, depending on what sector you're in, uh, as well as your reporting has to be beefed up because we talk about the SEC having to report in four days. So there's more and more being pushed down from the, the federal level to make sure that these uh, these companies, whether they be federal or um, uh, private sector or or uh, public in, in, in nature, to ensure that they 
are not doing something that puts people at risk. So then in turn, what they should be doing is trying to find out what strategies and things can be uh, done to prevent them from being breached, having to pay whatever that is, right? The, 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 the penalty being whether your insurance goes up or whether you have to pay people because you lost information, uh, as well as what fines the government may levy on you, right? So you just keep, you're going to keep getting beat up if you don't quickly come to grips on just what is the best practice? Like, how can we implement the strategy? Like, how can we continue to evolve our policies and procedures? Like, it's no longer a matter of paying for a piece of paper saying, hey, we're certified in X. It's about, does your policy actually work? So that's my two cents. One other note, uh, in the PDF, actually, there's a section here about election security and resilience, right? So that's that's definitely something that I'm glad this is being addressed at this level. So it, this is showing that CISA has uh, trying to essentially establish and gain trust with, you know, just the normal person out there, right? Mm -hmm. So how many, how many times have you seen um, on the news or on social media, hey, the election was rigged. Yeah, you can't trust these uh, devices. How do you know they're not rigged? Well, I'm glad that there's something out here specifically stating, hey, there's, there's going to be uh, election resilience put in place. There's going to be um, standards and procedures, right, for right. the next up and coming elections to give really the, the, the people, right, a sense of security and maintain the integrity of the election, right? So, like stuff like this being addressed, um, really looking at concerns of the, the citizens of the United States, that this is a step in the right direction. And I'm really, again, really looking forward to what's coming in the future. Yeah, yeah, I, I also agree with that because it, Again, so that goes like we talk about branding and reputation um, when it comes to companies. So uh, it also it can be extended to the government and our electoral process, mm -hmm. right? Like if people don't trust in the system, they simply won't vote, um, or they'll they'll believe the disinformation out there uh, about results and things of that nature. So it just uh, systemically, it's just not good for us as a society to not believe in our uh, electoral process. So. I am also glad to see this. Uh, I can't think of a, like, I I wish we could literally just vote from our phone. Like, I know it's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> so that would require, that, yeah. uh, that would require like three-factor authentication, right? Hey, I need right. your social security card, a picture of yourself, and then like a biometric scan or something. I mean, right. it, it would have to, it would be very intensive. Smaller countries, I think it was Estonia. It's one of the uh, Baltic countries. They actually have, the online voting system but when your population is less than I, mean, I think less than 10 million you probably right. get away with that but we have states like california texas florida you know in new york right it's it's just, it's it's to get everybody on the same page technologically to be able to vote it requires a lot of education i think i i would hope that we could vote from a electronic means at some point I mean, virtually but yeah um I don't think we're there yet as a as a as a nation. Uh, no, no, I, I, and I, yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to trying to allude that we are, but it's just it amazes mm -hmm. me that more people used to vote for. I don't know if they still do. I don't, I don't keep up with it, but more people used to vote for American Idol than they did for the president. Yeah, right. That's, that's insane. So it's, it's like if you could just make it easier for people. Yeah, and and be able to ver verification. Right, that's the the biggest part. Um. I mean, we're able to bank globally through our phone, but we can't vote locally with our phone. Like, just think of that. It just blows my mind. But 
everybody would have to have, yeah, I was just thinking, everybody would have to have like a PKI infrastructure, right? There'd have to be a public key for every every voting citizen and a private key, everybody would have a private key. Yeah. And that could be the something you have. And then something you know would be, you know, the set of questions that you had answered at the voting registry. Like, hey, this is the only thing that you, the only way we can verify it's you. And then something that's biometric, right? So you literally, would, I think three-factor authentication would have to be a thing. I think yeah. that's, that, that would give the citizens a sense of security. And then uh, aspect of non-repudiation, right? I mean, it's super complex. We would have to, everybody would have to come to agreement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, hopefully someday we can book more phones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, at, at this point, I'm, I'll be happy for when they they uh, they start to issue the the digital uh, license in Florida. Mm-hmm. Like we're one of the beta states. I don't know if they start rolling out yet, but uh, you'll be able to, because I, I don't feel you need a wallet anymore when you have a phone, right? Mm-hmm. Your phone should be able to have everything. Um, so the IDs are starting to roll out through nationally through phone, right? I just open my phone. And I can just show you, like, just like I can show you my insurance card or my uh, my vehicle registration through my phone. Like now they're going to have it where part of your uh, your your wallet will be your passport and your your identification. If we can get that far, like I just wish we could just push it just a little bit further. Um, so but, Georgia actually this May announced today have digital driver's licenses. So I think that's, that's perfect. Like, why do I need yeah. to have, and I think that would make it more accessible to people mm-hmm. for whatever reason, right? Um, but that's a whole different topic. So I don't want, <laughs> like, we'll yeah. talk about that one in the future. That one will sure. come back. Uh, but definitely continue to tune in, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, I definitely want to uh, uh, push that uh, to you to to hopefully uh, uh, just get the masses going, right? Like, I, I, we need these, these are rookie numbers, right? Like, yeah. I, want, I want 500 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, so that way we can start to push more people um, and showcase more talent, right? We have a lot of content out there. Uh, I want to get it moving. I want people to see it. So definitely, uh, if you know somebody, share it with them. We greatly appreciate it. Hit us up by all the, uh, the websites to go by our name. You can hit me up personally. I'm at Rye Rye Security Guy on all the places you can think of. Um, and then you, Abacon? You can find me on LinkedIn under Chris Abacon. Last name is spelled A Bacon. Easy to find, I promise. There it is. Stay safe. Stay secure. Thank you.